0: Today we are joined with Nerida Bint, who is an emotional intelligence coach, business coach and relationships coach. Uh, Nerida also has her own podcast, so it's nice to, um, I don't know, sit and chat with other people on the podcast because... I think if you have a podcast, you typically just love to talk, <laughs> <laughs> which is all of us here. So it's nice to feel um, that energy of just constant good conversation. Company, <laughs> <laughs> um, so all of our listeners, as you know, when we have a guest on the podcast, we ask them what their cosmic code is, which is their sun sign in uh, astrology, human design, and then also their numerology, life mm. path number. So Nerida, before we dive in. Can you please tell us what your cosmic code is?
2: Yes. Um, and it's funny that you ask me this because I only found out about this master number last week. So my, I'm a manifesting generator. I'm a Sagittarius. I'm not sure what's, you know, sun or moon or whatever. Yep. And my master number is 33. Beautiful. So good. So to break that down for everyone
1: and you, um, <laughs> so the Sagittarius and the manifesto are very aligned. Because that gives you your fire, that mm. gives you your your ideas and your ability to keep moving things forward and take all of these big dreams that you have and birth them into the world, which is incredible. So like you said, you just found out you're a master number. Mm-hmm. So you're actually a master healer. And so what you're here to do is to heal yourself first so that you can heal the collective.
2: Mm. And so
1: the highest um, possible expression of that number is to be in alignment to unconditional love and to spread unconditional love. So mm. I just think that's such a beautiful life path number to be experiencing.
2: That's actually so funny that you say that about unconditional love because that's the thing I've struggled with the most. Mm. Of course. That's the, yeah. that's the That's been my biggest lesson, my yeah. biggest like journey. Mm. I actually know a lot of 33 sixes
1: mm. and um, it's really common. I think the 33 is the like kind of like the last master number that we experience mostly mm. um there are a few forty-four eights, but they're quite rare that they actually step into that master vibration mm. and so because it is the third tier of master energy it does take a lot of conscious work and mm. development to actually embody that and that's why you've been given these lessons mm. because they say that you can only help or heal someone to the levels and the depths that you've helped or healed yourself. Yes. So unfortunately yes. it smacked with a lot <laughs> you've of gotta lessons to do the, work. To
2: the <laughs> yeah. reward, but I can't Definitely. wait to see the rewards
1: <laughs> Me too. When's it coming? <laughs> You're putting in the
2: effort, so it's
1: going to come I'm trying.
2: Sure. I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely been a lot of lessons. Yeah.
1: Mm, yeah.
0: Yes. Love so that. something that I am really excited to talk to you about is all of the emotional intelligence work. Mm-hmm. Um, because something that you mentioned on your Instagram, I'm sure there was a post about it, maybe a reel, is your emotional home.
2: Yes, yep, um, yep.
0: Can you, because that wasn't really something that I was had heard before or mm. familiar with, um, so could you talk a little bit about first what emotional intelligence is mm-hmm. uh, and then what the emotional home is as well?
2: Yes, yep, it's one of my favourite topics to talk about and something that I really struggle with for such a long time. I was raised, um, by what I would now call two very emotionally immature parents. And so I lived that way for a long time until, you know, relationships kept breaking down. Um, I experienced a lot of conflict in my life and, you know, I finally sort of had to look at myself and ask myself, why is it that I'm experiencing so much challenge with other people? And then, I started understanding my own emotional intelligence was quite low. So the way I view emotional intelligence is sort of broken up by six different components. You've got your emotional attunement, which is tuning in and just actually getting very clear on what emotion you're actually experiencing. And this skill is with ourselves as well as with another person. So what I used to really struggle with was if I was with somebody and I was upsetting them or triggering them or, you know, bringing something up in them. I was completely unaware. You know, I would be. With, I might be in a group, and other people would sense that someone might be feeling a reaction to something I was saying, and I would be completely oblivious. Yeah. So that was the first um, sort of, you know, part for me to really get clear on that. So, mm. and I still struggle with it, right? But like, say,
1: how how did how did you unpack that? Like, mm-hmm. how did you even
2: become aware after
1: all this time that that was a mm. I guess a person. I don't know what you. Well, it like.
2: was it was um, actually a lot of hindsight. So it was really interesting. Um, about four years ago, at the beginning of the pandemic, mm. I went through. So I used to own a couple of women's only gyms, and around the time that the gyms were closed down, I actually went through a breakup as well with a partner that I thought I was going to marry and have kids with, and um, you know, so I went through this breakup gym's closed. My accountant said to me, I think you're going to go bankrupt because this was before we knew we were going, getting any assistance. And then I was living in an apartment by myself and it was locked down. You couldn't see anybody. So I was alone for a lot of time. And it was really interesting, um, because I, you know, it was the first time I think in my life that I really, really took a a hard look at myself and I was sort of trying to understand why, you know, I, I couldn't get a relationship to work. And, you know, at the time, my ex said to me, the one thing that he would say was, I feel like I'm not good enough for you. And at that time, I thought he meant I was too good for him. Mm. Now, fast forward a couple of months, uh, that sort of sat with me and I was very confused about it. I was was sort of confused because I thought, well, if you think I'm so amazing, why do you not want to be with me? But then I was, and I remember catching up with some friends at a barbecue and I remember talking to this couple that I'd known for years. And he used to be a bit of a ladies man, he really was good looking and he, he could have any woman he, he wanted. And then he, he found my friend and fell in love with her and committed to her. And I said to him, what is it about this woman that, you know, made you want to pick her? Because I became fascinated with why do men pick certain women? Like, what is it about, you know, what, what creates that connection? And he said to me, Nez, she's the first woman that I met that I knew was too good for me, but never made me feel like it. Mm-hmm. And that was such an epiphany for me because then I realised what my ex was saying was not that I was too good, like too good, it was I was making him feel not good enough. Mm-hmm. And that's when everything came flooding back, wow. all the moments that I had criticised him, that I had judged him, that I had um, – and, and they were very small moments, right? Mm-hmm. Like just these moments that I had over and over and over, you know, made him feel like he wasn't – the man mm. that I – and it was – I remember that being so confusing for me because I thought I don't want this relationship to end. I love you mm. but yet why am I also triggering you? Mm. And I I was completely unaware to all the little bits that I was, you know, poking him and, and triggering him that I just hadn't seen. Mm. So that was a huge sort of wake up for me. Mm. Um, and then that – like over the last few years other moments have come flooding back. You know, I've got a girlfriend who – um, you know, we used to be quite close and I now can see all these moments where, um, cause I'm such a coach, right? I've always been a coach, always will be. I love helping people, but sometimes, you know, I forget that I need to be invited in, especially if it's a friend. Mm. And so this friend would often share with me some challenges that she might be facing and without being asked for my opinion or for advice, I would just give it. Mm. And I had no idea that like I I started to piece together, we would spend time together and then she would sort of disappear for a little while and she would be offline. And because she obviously didn't feel safe to share this with me that she was feeling so triggered, you know, Mm. I was actually sabotaging that relationship because – I was triggering her not good enough wound within herself. And so it's been years and years and years of all these moments of like, ah, going back and revisiting it and just really honestly looking at myself and, um, you know, what energy was I bringing there? What was I not, what was I not, what was I missing? You know, what did I not see? And just really being so accountable to that without shaming myself because I am someone who lives with a lot of – I've had to really work hard to heal my shame and I think when you do heal your shame, that's when you are able to look at yourself. Mm. So now I can see that for those years I couldn't look at myself because I I had such a poor relationship to my shame. Mm. I was so afraid of it. So it's been years and years of like – Sort of going back and having these moments of like, oh wow, I can see that in a totally different lens now.
1: Mm. It really is just so much power in contemplation. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. It, it just Huge. brings up and, and heals mm. so much for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: it really it's, does. And
1: actually, that's what the Gene Keys, which mm. is linked to human design. It says, I can, he basically says, I can tell you all of these things about you, but unless you sit and contemplate what mm. it means for you personally, it's not gonna... it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, yet. that makes sense. So this is so beautiful to hear, do you mean like mm. that you took this really challenging
2: situation and you've just used it to transform and to look inward. Mm. Yeah, well, I had to. Mm. Yeah. A lockdown <laughs> will do that to like, you. Yeah. It does. And it was interesting. It was, a, sure. it, you were just forced. Like yeah. I wasn't working. I could I didn't live with anyone so it was I, like I, the universe was like everyone go yes. to your rooms and think about They've what you've done. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. so true. And I think we all <laughs> had that like collective experience <laughs> doing that because yes. like yes. one person does floods onto someone else yes. like just a magnet and we all Look back on that time, I think, and yeah. like as shit as yeah. it was, like thank God it happened because otherwise, yeah. Where, oh, yeah, where would I be? Oh I yeah, I'm had so the grateful same for experience it. Yeah. as you in
1: yes like, like, break up, mm-hmm. job loss, sold the house, moved cities, got locked in a bedroom. Yes, <laughs> okay. it's wild, isn't it?
2: It's wild. <laughs> yes, but it does something to you, and I'm really grateful for it now. Yes, me too. Yeah. Oh, me too. Like, yeah, I'm so grateful for that time. I look back at that time with such fondness because. Mm. I read so many books. I listened to so many podcasts. I meditated. I cried, you know, I screamed, I swam. I like, it was such Mm. a beautiful time. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was equally painful, but equally beautiful. Um, and yeah, that was where a lot of my sort of healing came from that, that sort of first year. Mm -hmm. And, um, so that's when I started to become aware of this emotional home. So Tony Robbins first coined this term and it's, And and I really, in all the work that I do, it's just, it's uncanny. But, um, when we understand most of us have an emotional home. So there's sort of three to five emotions that when we feel like when we come up against conflict or misunderstanding, or when we feel stuck, they're usually the same emotions. They might be triggered by different people, different circumstances, but they're usually the same go-to. And so for me, what my emotional home was rejection, shame, confusion, sadness, and loneliness. And, for such a long time, you know, like I've shared with you guys before, I, I I really felt inherently broken. Like I, I really, really, I felt like there was something deeply wrong with me and that I didn't belong here. I I actually got to a point where I really believed that most people, like people would be better off that I wasn't here. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and I, it was it was such a hard – like I felt so lost for so long that when I first understood this concept, it brought me so much healing because it helped me to understand that my, my, my first seven years of being on this planet, being around the caretakers that I was around and the experiences that I had with them, that's the imprint that I took on. So my father is one of three boys. He's hearing impaired. He was sent to a boarding school at the age of three – And he was abused at that school and he was in a lot of pain and a lot of trauma and then he married my mother who already had me. I I didn't know this until I was 21 and then they had two children and so I grew up thinking I was a part of the family but yet we were very poor and I think my father deep down really resented the fact that he had to raise me, um, you know, as well as the other two. So in a very secretive way he really passed on a lot of his trauma to me. He called me the black sheep. He would um, tell me that I was bad over and over and over again. He would look at me with disgust. He would push, want want to separate me from the family. There were so many times where I remember we would go and watch a movie at night, the whole family together, and he would just look at me and point and go to your room. Like, you know, or I'd be playing with my brothers and sisters and he would want to he'd say, off you go. You know, he'd try and separate me. So now I think about it, it's like, wow, it makes so much sense that I struggle with shame and loneliness and confusion and rejection. Mm, Like that makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. And um, when I work with people and they experience other emotions such as like overwhelm and stress and anxiety, when I dive into their history and the the lives, the parents that they were raised with, you can hear that they were raised with a lot of instability, chaos, um, you know, a mother that was stressed, a mother that was anxious and nervous and constantly questioning herself or perfectionist, you know, or people people that have a lot of anger and rage and resentment and agitation. They often grew up in homes where boundaries were crossed and there was violence or there was um, repressed rage within the family. Um, Gable Marte says, what the adults suppress, the child will express. And in my opinion, that is mm. completely true. I actually get I like a lot that. of parents come to me and say, oh, "I've got I've got a child with depression or anxiety or ADHD. Can you see them?" And I say, "No, I'll work with you because whatever they're expressing is coming from you." Mm. And um, I'm yet to be proven wrong on this. Like every single client that comes to work with me, you can almost always like their their emotions are the same. Those default emotions. Like mm. I will, I still experience anger. I still experience fear. But my default is. And so now that I know that about myself, like it's really funny, right? You could criticise my work. You could criticise the way I look. You could, you know, like I could have everything taken away and be fearful about the future. None of those things will trigger me as much as, if I saw you on the street and you looked away and pretended not to see me Mm -hmm. or if you looked at me with disgust like there was something really wrong with me or if Mm -hmm. you excluded me from a group. You know, I didn't even know this. Like obviously, La Somme, I'm sure you're familiar, we were all about community and inclusivity and, and connection. And it wasn't until I was interviewed by a journalist about five years into my journey in business and she was asking me all these questions about my childhood and I was sort of like, you know, I was sort of surprised but I went with it. And she pointed out the connection between my need for belonging in my family, Mm. me creating a gym that was all about belonging and my jaw hit the floor. Yeah. I was like, wow, I hadn't even picked up on that. So if any of those things are the most painful things you can do to me. And so now I'm so gentle on myself as I go through that because now I'm like, I'm able to really be with myself and just be kind to myself because it's like, wow, there's this little Nez that was like four, five, six, seven, eight, nine years old that's being triggered right now. Like that Mm. memory of being ostracized, being told I was bad, being shamed, being ridiculed, being rejected. That's that pain being triggered. Mm. And I think when you help people to understand that those default emotions, then they can sort of go, wow, okay, well now I can start to move through them. Mm. So now the the emotions that I really focus on cultivating are things like acceptance, Mm. clarity. I need to have clarity. Um, You know, Shame, like really, you know, deeply loving myself, Um, you know, sadness, like really focusing on bringing joy. But also like when I'm going through that emotional home, I I let myself feel it. I let myself process it and it's nowhere near as painful as it used to be. Um, So that work I find really empowering. Mm -hmm. And then once we kind of can be with that emotional home, we can move into emotional regulation. So that's actually letting ourselves be with the emotion, express it, move with it, create some safety within our bodies, movement, touch, sound, breath. Um, And then we move into emotional safety, which is with another person and with ourselves, like not having to run from that moment, escape it, avoid it, numb it, distract it, but also being able to cultivate that with another human being. I think that in today's society, whenever we see somebody else express an emotion that we're not comfortable with, we naturally feel inclined to move them out of it whether it's telling them it's okay or giving them advice or telling them not to cry or telling them they shouldn't feel that way minimizing it mm. just actually witnessing it and actually letting your like noticing what it's bringing up in you letting mm. them have their experience and this is hardest to do in relationship right because mm. we take things so personally mm. and it's so funny because you know I used to hear all this stuff about relationship and how not to take things so personally and I think but why? I don't understand that like the person's upset with you, and it's like no. that You know, often when we're going through these things, it's it's actually your childhood sort of wounds that you're playing out, and it's just so fascinating. I've I've actually healed so much through coaching other people and watching them go through their sort of emotional um, home, and sort of going, wow, that's so interesting that that's triggered you. That would not bother me, but it's like now I know your history, I understand why it triggers you. Mm. Also, too,
1: like on the other side of that, for me because I have that deep understanding that everyone's going like reacting like this because of this, yeah. I find it really hard to cut people out or like to break up with people or anything Mm. because I'm like, oh, Shivers, like that must be really hard to be holding right now because Mm. I know about your childhood and that was really rough and Mm. it's okay. Like they didn't love you but I will. (laughs) Mm, Yes. And I really had to catch myself and Mm. realise, okay, just because you can see it. Mm doesn't mean you have to
2: stick around mm. for their whole journey.
1: Mm. Yeah. Because, yeah. They, well, it's
2: it's it's. my coach said to me once, do you want a partner or do you want a client? Mm. That's so true. Like gotcha. like I don't want to coach somebody. I, I But there's also a part of, you know, when I think about it, right, there's always something within you, a need within you that's getting met by being with a partner who's, yeah. you know, not able to show up for you the way that you want them to. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard question to look at for yourself because I've been in that I've been in that space many times. (laughs) And um, yeah, having to break that pattern has been really challenging for me. So, yeah, I get it. I get it. Like that empathy and that compassion. But, you know, that also comes with you actually asking yourself, what do I really want and what do I really need in a relationship? And can I hold out in faith and hope and trust that that is available to me? You know, we have to trust that that's there. And that's, and I've seen it every, evolution you know I it's so interesting because da- I'm i in the dating space and watching as I've moved through my own emotional intelligence every man that I've dated you know in front of me has been an evolved version of where I'm at yes it's just it's amazing, amazing. Isn't it? it's so amazing what I've been manif- what I've been really working on the last like six months 12 months is that emotional intelligence like really really wanting someone to meet me there um And, and, you know, first it was sort of emotional connection. It was sort of just a very surface level idea of this sort of work. And then it moved into more sort of, um, you know, emotional intelligence, like really, really masculine, feminine dynamics, understanding that. And then now it's interesting because what I've not ever done is I haven't gotten clear. Like I managed, the last guy I dated was completely everything that I wanted, like emotionally intelligent. understood masculine, feminine dynamics to a T, you know, wanted to live a life out on a property, you know, had similar values. But do you know the one thing that was missing that I had actually never gotten clear on about myself? He could not choose me. He could – and he was saying all these reflections to me that I had been imagining and wanting from him Mm. but not once – did I ever say to myself, I want someone who chooses me. Mm. I want someone who says to me, Nerida, you're the one, you're the person, Mm. you're the one I want to be with, you're the woman I want to marry, you're the one I want to have kids with, I want to to look after you, I want to make you happy. Mm. And it's so funny because – Everything else I've been imagining mm-hmm. has come to fruition. I've had plenty of men say to me, I used to sit there and imagine, I'm not even kidding you. <laughs> I, re- I remember sitting there imagining like I just want, because this is so embarrassing I've never said this on air before. But when I, <laughs> when I went through that year, 2020, I remember being so heartbroken and so desperate for like anything that I was Googling what is it that men look for in a partner, in a, in a wife. Like, I just didn't even understand it. And the common thing was emotional connection. So I was like, what does that even mean? This is how my whole path started. I was like, what does emotional connection even mean? So that's when I started doing all this work, understanding myself, my emotions. And the very first guy I dated after that, do you know what he said to me? (laughs) I think it was like the (laughs) second or third time we slept together. He said, Nerida, I have never, I feel so emotionally connected to you. Stop. I'm not even kidding. I feel like I've done it. This this stuff happens Hello to husband. me. Hello, husband. It stuff happens to me over and over and over. Like I'll manifest, I'll imagine I want someone to tell me I'm amazing or I want someone to tell me that I just understand them or I want someone to tell me that they've never met anyone like me. I've all these things and I've had plenty of men say it but not once and I've only just gotten, I've only just had this epiphany the last three months have Not once have I ever been brave enough to actually say, call in, I want a man who chooses me, who wants to marry me, who wants to have my babies, who wants mm. to build a life with me. Hence why that's never happened. Yeah. So it's so fascinating. They say that, right?
1: They're like, be careful what you put on your list. Yes. Because, um, it's
2: going to come to you. Yes. Yeah. And if you
1: like, m- I don't know, manifest a car mm. for $3,000. Yeah. it's going to be make a... sure that
2: you <laughs> manifest it, that it can still run. Yes. So <laughs> totally. true, isn't it? Yeah. It's just crazy and so it's been so exciting to watch this journey and as each person, I'm just i really just there witnessing who comes through and, mm. and the dance that plays out and, you know, I'm, that, that for me is my core wound. Like my core wound is am I lovable? Like am I worthy of love? Mm. I don't have that unworthiness wound. I don't really have like I, so many other things I don't struggle with but that deep core belief that am I lovable? that is the thing that triggers in me when someone gets close. And mm-hmm. so that's been really interesting to witness myself mm-hmm. as I play that out, like that fear and that fear of being seen and mm-hmm. fear of being seen and not loved. There's yeah. a lot of power in knowing your core wounds. Yes. yes. Oh, my God, and when yes. when you discover yeah. what the core
1: wound is, mm-hmm. it's really helpful because – when it's a core wound, it turns up at every iteration of yourself yeah. because mm. you have to heal that one mm-hmm. on every level. Yeah, And I remember yeah. getting really frustrated because I've been, I'd been working with all these different practitioners and at this particular day I was working with a kinesiologist and this same thing came up again and I just got so mm. mad and <laughs> I was like... Why? Like what are we? Like, why are we doing this again? Like, yeah. I've done this so many times. Oh, I was I so frustrated. Yeah. And she said, oh this is good. Yeah. This yeah. means frustrations good means no, you're end like, of a pattern. It's good that it's come back up because mm. it means it wants to be healed at a different frequency mm. and you're still your vibrations rising and you're yep. healing it at a different level. Yeah. And yep. after she said
2: that, I was like, Okay, okay,
1: <laughs> all right, I'll allow it. We're, <laughs> we're with this one for a Yes. While. Oh yeah. Mm. I'm with
2: you. Like. Oh, I feel like I've done so much work on myself and yeah, but and you know what? And the good news is, is that it never ends. It never <laughs> ends. It never ends. You want to
1: know ends. the secret, everyone? Just keep going.
0: <laughs> One totally. foot in front of the other. Yes. <laughs> and then you might want to decide you want to do a moonwalk a little bit further <laughs> back and then you'll have to take a few more steps forward again.
2: Uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. But um, no, like you know what? I say this to people all the time, right? Like I really do look at my life. Like I'm 40, I'm 41 next week. I look at my life, you know, you know, they say that there you live two lives. And the first one begins when you realize you only have one. And it's like, I, you know, up until four years ago, I think I was one person that lived deeply with a lot of sadness, a lot of shame, a lot of, um, confusion, lack of belonging, which you wouldn't know if you saw me You know, most people, you know, when I went through my sort of suicide attempt, you know, most people were so shocked because I presented it as this happy person. Like a lot Mm. of my close friends and family were shocked. Mm. And it was funny because I don't think I realised how much I had hidden that part of myself. Like I just thought it was obvious that I was so unhappy. Mm. And so that was a huge wake-up call for me. But if you said to me, like if if coming onto this planet someone said to me, your first 36 years on this planet are going to be – you know, very heavy and very dense and there'll be a few good moments sprinkled in between, but you're going to most days like question whether you belong, you are meant to be here. But the last four are going to be full of healing and growth and and lots of unconditional love, lots of joy and lots of like connection to yourself and others, you know, but you're, it's only going to be four years. Would you take it? And I would every day of the week because the, what I have now, like, you know, I'm almost grateful for my trauma because, whereas for me, I'm just such a, an inquirer of di- you know d- deep philosophy, like understanding myself and yeah, like and I'm I'm still on the journey. Like there's still things that I haven't achieved that I would love to. You know, I deeply yearn to be a mother and a and a partner, and um, I know that there are blocks there, and I'm working through them. But yeah, like this emotional intelligence work has changed my life in every single part of it. Like my friendships, my relationships, my career um yeah it's just something that I'm deeply passionate about because we've never seen before a mental health crisis like we're seeing right now and yeah it's it's because we are becoming we're so disconnected from such a young age and like I love working with parents you know I love working with parents to help them understand how to connect with their children Mm. um I'm deeply passionate about about yeah that sort of like lifestyle how we should be you know it's so interesting it's like you wake up to what's normalized in society, but is it actually conducive to a healthy, like a healthy society? Like mm. I deeply, you know, don't, I, I I really sort of struggle with the school system and, the, and universities and, you know, I, I just think that they are just indoctrinating us to disconnect and, and to be brainwashed and I just, you know, it's funny, you see all these people now, like, you know, living really amazing lives and earning great money that never went to uni. Like, you know, it's it's like you you really have to question why. Why do we believe that that's the only yeah. path? Mm. And it's exciting. Last year there was a 30% increase in homeschooling. Mm. Um, and I'm all for parents being more connected to their kids. Like there there is so much proof that there are no two people that each person on this planet yearns to be loved and accepted by and understood, and that is your two parents. Mm. Like we are wired for love by them. And when we feel like that's not happening, we go out in search of romantic love to heal that wound and then we don't realise we actually attract – we usually attract someone energetically that is so similar to a parent and it's so fascinating, right? I've seen this so many times and it's the parent that you craved love from the most – And Tony Robbins talks about this too. And I work with a lot of women who get very confused because they're actually dating someone or married to someone energetically that it's a lot like their mother and they get confused because they're like, but hang on a minute, but it's not the same sex. And it's like, no, energetically that person, if you are craving love from them, you will be wired to look for someone who feels familiar in that way. Familiar comes from the word family and you will want to heal that wound. So you set out by pulling this person in and wanting for them to change so that you it means you're lovable. And actually the work is and I've lived this, right? I've the men I attract now are light years from who I used to attract, but I did used to very much attract that and that sort of standoffish, neglectful and and contemptuous. Like if he would become angry, it would be contempt and that was exactly what my father did. Whereas, you know, I've got friends who attract men that cheat on them over and over and over. They've got a trust wound. But yet I've never had anyone cheat on me and it's so interesting and it's like, wow, that your, your father actually cheated on your mother. Mm. It's just you can't deny it. It's just so – like there might be the exception but um, from what I've seen, it's, it's – yeah, it, the pattern is just so strong. Mm.
0: And I think that's where it just – everything comes back to, you know, life is a mirror for us and mm. how can we just keep – using moments in our life to to go inward because kind of like it was for you like in the pandemic like you had to reflect and contemplate and I think the greatest study we can ever do in life is self-study because if we're not studying self then we're really truly not understanding anything
2: Mm, (laughs) because
0: we can't learn anything like reading a book or Mm. whatever it is we can't learn about that thing if we don't know kind of like what you said before, Brie, like how it actually applies to us because mm. then it's us that goes and lives and shows up in the world and, like, will attract things into our life consciously or unconsciously. We mm. um, get super clear on our manifestation list and then, like, miss one key factor. <laughs> 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 and
2: we're like, oops. Mm,
1: totally. <laughs> um,
0: there's a part in human design that is – I don't know this very well. I think you'll probably know it more than I do – is how you are specific in your manifesting.
1: Yeah. yeah. So there's two – types you're either a general manifester or a specific manifestor mm. mm. I think I'm a, I
0: am ai do not know I feel like I'm general
1: I'm specific which shocked me because I've yeah. always just like oh I'll just have a big vision but then I realized through my design that I'm specific and I started focusing in and actually mm. going into the detail and it's been ridiculous mm. what I've been able to bring in from that point that's amazing yeah so you might oh, be wow. specific too. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Mm. But you've also got, she's a manifesto archetype, um, energy type. So actually what you're here to do, which is exactly what you did with the gym,
2: mm. is
1: you're here to build the vision mm. and hold that frequency mm. for people to tap into. Yeah. yeah. You need a bunch of generators like yes. me yeah. to work for you yeah. to
2: keep it going. Yeah. And they just plug in. Yeah. To, yeah. To to that vision. yeah, Yeah, that's exactly what happened with Lasom. My, my my main manager, she was a generator. Yeah. And if it wasn't for her, it wouldn't have happened because, yeah. you know, I was great at the idea but the execution, terrible. So she was great at that. But yet yeah. yeah, we had a very similar value. Yeah. So we had very similar values and very similar visions. So, yeah, that's interesting. Mm. It's so helpful knowing all of these. Yeah, reasons. so cool, isn't it?
0: I was going to say at what point did you realise in that business journey mm. that that's what she was doing for like – I mean, is yeah. now because you know what human design is when you look back? Well, like,
2: oh. yeah. So it was funny. She kind of popped into the gym and we talked about her working with me and then I wanted to open the second site and I kept thinking I needed to open that first and then bring her on so I could afford to pay her. But then I realised that was just taking forever. So I just knew I had to just take the risk. So I brought her on and then three months later we had Maitland. And it was just funny because we knew that we worked well together and we we used to joke about it. Like I used to joke about how I'm I'm not the boss, she's the boss, you know, go and talk to her. But It wasn't until, yeah, probably 12 months ago when we started exploring human design where I was – and we realised, oh, wow, that's why we worked so well together. But, um, yeah, we definitely – yeah, it wouldn't have happened without her Mm. for sure.
0: And I think, like, that just shows, like, if you're aligned to something that's purposeful for you, Mm. the right things will kind of show up anyway,
1: unknowingly. Yes,
2: yes. Oh, yes, I'm a big believer of that. Mm.
1: Yeah. fascinating even your strategy right so like holds a projector mm. and she needs to be invited in mm. and i just need to as a generator i just need to trust my initial instinct as mm. something passes me yes love do i want to latch on or do yeah. i want to let it keep floating by
2: yeah so i
1: yeah so Very like cool. we laugh and we say i latched on to the podcast idea. Mm. <laughs> And Holly had been Responded. waiting for years mm. to respond to an invitation. Yeah, that's so cool. And as soon
0: as you asked, I was like, yes. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love God. that. I was like, I've been asking, some, like <laughs> wanting someone to ask, oh, well, not knowingly, but yes, you know.
2: that's so um, cool. Yeah. I love that.
0: So looping back to the emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. for people in like everyday life, what are some tools or practices they can just implement that are like easy mm-hmm. or like short to mm-hmm. start actually reflecting on what they're feeling because mm-hmm. I think something you mentioned before was about determining what that emotion actually is and mm-hmm. I think sometimes there's a great i um, Brene Brown <laughs> that book she has I think it's called Atlas of the Heart mm. and it has all these different emotions in there and she actually explains them and it's like sometimes I think we get a bit confused about which emotion we're feeling like mm. we might feel angry but actually mm. we're not angry yeah. we feel hurt or yeah. rejected or you know whatever it might be yeah. So what would you give advice for people listening on how to just start interfacing with
2: Mm. that? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, And one of the first things I try and get my clients to do is to start literally observing and journaling down the emotions that they are feeling when they're Mm. triggered and and starting to locate like where that comes up for them in the body. So spending Mm. time feeling where it feels in the body and it's really interesting, most people will have the same sort of reaction, like the same – everyone's different, but where they feel it usually is the same. Mm. Um, And then I tend to, I I really am a huge fan of reparenting. So asking people to connect back to when was a time in your childhood that you remember feeling this same emotion or where are you reminded of this same sort of circumstance? And so for me, obviously, you know, that moment of rejection, like that's the biggest core wound I've had to really work through is going back and just so many moments of my father, you know, sort of playing that out with me and then what I'll have them do is first off just observe themselves like sort of zoom out and sort of just go back to that memory and spend time like visualizing it like watching yourself in that moment at that age when you're experiencing that emotion and then take them through a process where you come in as an adult and you actually show up um and come in and and be the adult that they needed in that moment. What would you have needed someone to say to you? What is it that you wanted someone to do for you? What is it that you needed to be taken care of? And so for me, it's always my current self coming in and giving me a hug and picking me up, telling me that it's not okay to treat me like this, that it's not okay for any adult to treat a child like this and there's nothing wrong with me, I'm not broken Mm. and I'm here to keep you safe. And then I pick me up give me a big hug and then I take. I go and literally visualise myself walking her out and putting her in my car and then driving her to my house where I live right now and walking mm. her through. I know it's so emotional, bringing her in and showing her like around the home, like look at what you've achieved, look at where you mm. live, look at what you've done, look at who you are. Mm. and just doing that over and over and over again with every single memory that pops up. I've had to do that several times with one memory. Mm. There is one really painful memory that I remember experiencing and I've had to go back to that maybe 15 times Mm -hmm. and sit with myself and process that grief and that fear Mm. that was coming up in that moment and that confusion as to why I was being treated that way. Mm. Um, And, you know, it's interesting because people – like, you know, it's 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 interesting to see like a lot of people contemplate, should you keep going back to the past? But for me personally, that's been really healing. Mm. Like going back and actually just showing up as that adult that I needed mm. um, has really helped me to detach my worthiness from how I was treated because for such a long time I, you know, assumed there was something wrong with me and that's why my father treated me that way. Mm. And now as an adult I can see that – it's actually not about me it's about mm. him and his pain but you know when you're young you you don't like yeah we, don't we know that we don't know that yep. like we think when we're not given that love or that presence that there's something wrong with us mm. so that has been really healing for me mm. and and another thing is one thing that I see so many people struggle with is they are they speak so awfully like so unkindly th- to themselves. Like mm. the way we talk to ourselves is nowhere near the way we talk to other people. Mm. So and that's why so many of us feel so stuck, right? W- what often alignment comes when what happens within happens without. So the way you're treating others is the same way you're treating yourself. And for such a long time I thought I was a compassionate person. And I mean I still struggle with this actually. But actually I was quite judgmental and I was judgmental of myself and so that naturally had to spill out to others. So the more I've been able to give myself compassion, give myself love and, and for a long time I didn't know how to do that so I would listen to guided meditations. Sarah Blondin, have you heard of her? Mm-mm. Oh my gosh, her meditations changed my life. Mm-hmm. She they're, they're hauntingly beautiful but they're so deep and, and um, you know, just beautiful. And the way she, and she's so compassionate, and so kind and so loving. And so for me, I had to listen to an external voice because I didn't have someone teach me that. I didn't have parents that taught me how to be kind to myself or gentle to myself. So I had to learn that from another voice. And that was honestly one of the biggest shifts for me. And it was so funny. I remember going to a retreat. I paid four and a half thousand dollars to go on this retreat for four days and it changed my life. It's the first time I think I've ever experienced complete unconditional love Mm. and I remember sitting there laughing to myself thinking this is actually so simple it's actually (laughs) being nice to myself and I remember thinking how ironic it was that I'd traveled to the Sunshine Coast taken a week off work and spent all this money just to learn I need to talk to myself more kindly and it's actually the truth and but for so many people they don't know how and the one thing Mm. I'll say to you is you are not born that way right you look at any child any baby, what do they do? As soon as you look at them, they look at you and they smile and they grab you and, and then they get to be a toddler and they're like, come and watch me do this. Come and watch me do that. Come with me, be with me, mm. you know, play with me. We are born inherently worthy of love and and wholeness. And then what happens is we we take on these, these moments of confusion and pain and then we start to make meaning out of them. And And so many of my clients struggle because they struggle because they are adamant that a parent never spoke to them like that but if a parent speaks to themselves unkindly that will still impact on you mm. it will still be your their voice that you will take on i work with so many women that are perfectionists and but yet they were raised by women who told them that they loved them over and over and over but yet they were hypercritical of themselves yeah. so you will internalize that you know mm. if if you're raised by a mother who's constantly talking about the way she looks mm. guess what or if, even if she's complimenting you on the way you look,
0: mm.
2: you're going to start to naturally attach your self-worth mm. to that. So I help people try to really understand that that voice is not your voice. Mm. That's a parent's voice. Mm. And you need to learn to let go of that and you need to create your own inner, parent, your own inner voice. Mm.
0: And I think there's a beautiful thing of when you start to heal that, you'll start to heal that for your parents as well. Yeah. Like yeah. it's just, yeah. you know, and, you know, I think, our parents were also doing the work that they could do to heal yes. their parents oh, as well. Yes. Like it's yes. just this yep. continuous yep. like, yep. you know, and I think that's the the beautiful thing about it all. Yeah. And I think often when people go into these like um, parts of themselves that feel wounded from experiences of growing up or not being loved or receiving love or, you know, whatever it might be, I think what you find when you start to heal it is your relationship with your parents
2: mm, changes. Totally, mm. and totally. It's,
0: it's really about, I mean, we're so powerful when we can mm. just
2: do the things and see the things. Mm. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I lived with so much anger towards my father for such a long time mm. and um, then I actually started to really like understand him and and try to understand his life and I'll never forget it actually – This was only recent. This was only a couple of years ago. But my father, like, always worked, you know. And that was rare for a deaf person, you know. Like, it was really hard for deaf people to find work. And he worked for 35 years for BHP. And he never took benefits or anything from Centrelink. Like, he was a very proud man. And through the pandemic, he really struggled because obviously deaf people rely so much on lip reading. So Mm. everyone wearing masks was really challenging for him to communicate and connect And he was very fearful of the virus, so he really went inward. And so we had to get him set up with NDIS. Um, He had a few other challenges, so I went with him because an interpreter couldn't make it. And I remember sitting there and them asking – at the end of the interview they had to ask um, a series of questions and it was you had to answer each question like um, rarely, um, sometimes, or always sort of, you know, on a scale. Like – or it was like never – Rarely, sometimes, always. And they were asking these questions and I found it really hard because I was getting so emotional but there were questions such as like, I remember them asking him like, you know, living in the world today, how often do you think people understand you? Mm. And when I interpreted that to him he said never. Um, how often do you think people um, – connect? you feel connected to people? Never. Mm. And I was like – you know, that was such a healing moment for me because mm. I really realised, like, that, you know, he was just a product of his trauma mm. and he was doing the best that he could. Um, and, yeah, it was just I looked at him in a completely different way. Mm. I just felt this deep sadness that this man is probably going to pass away mm. um, without fully feeling understood or known by anybody. Mm. And, like, what a heartbreaking thing that is. Mm. Um and yeah, so yeah, it was, it, it has been, you know, such a journey of grief for me to just let go of my grief, but also to see him for who he truly is and mm. how he was just, he was just a man in a lot of pain trying to raise, trying to support a family of five on a very, you know, modest budget. And mm. yeah, he was just doing the best that he could. And yeah. he did break patterns. You know, he never abused me. He mm. never, you know, he never hurt me physically. There were so many things he did not do that were done to him. Yeah. So he did break so many patterns. Yeah. But it was just this leaky, this, this you know, sort of shame that he could not. Yeah. And, you know, I remember, you know, he knows, like he's apologised to me. And, you know, it's funny because when I was growing up, I used to think to myself, you know, when he apologises to me, that's when I'll finally feel better. And I remember mm. when he apologised to me, I, I actually didn't feel anything. Yeah. And it's just the, the irony, isn't it? Yeah. The work is with self. Like it's just, mm. yeah, so you're right. Like they're all doing the best that they can. Yeah. Um, but it's just a part of the human experience. We will all experience trauma and pain and yeah. and some form of disconnect and that's the work, like yes. reconnecting back to the wholeness and true nature of who we really are. Yeah.
0: Remembering all of that. mm. And I think we kind of just pick up where someone else left off Mm. in terms of healing, like with generational stuff, yeah, ancestral stuff. Yeah. 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 It's a beautiful thing to Mm. think that we are connected so deeply in that way. It's a beautiful and, you know, painful thing because I think there's part of you that like you kind of said you just want to like hold your parents Mm. because, you know, the pain that they Mm. went through and
2: yeah. 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 There's a beautiful there's a beautiful quote that I love, um, you know, when we are like this is around the mother wound. And like, I didn't even really think I had a mother wound because my mummy is very loving and very present. Um but when I did a lot of work on myself, I realized I did hold a lot of anger towards her for not protecting me from my father more. And um there's a beautiful saying that's like, like when you're when you're raised by a mother that you feel wounded by, it's so natural for us to want to then, when we have children, we want to mother them in a in a better way. Mm. But can we go back and actually be like, can we be the mother for our mother in those moments where she was little and she wasn't kissed and she wasn't mm. held and she wasn't supported? Mm. Can we, you know, be that for them? And, you know, my mum lost her mother when she was eight mm. and she was one of five and she had to leave school. She had to stay home and like she went through so much trauma and I think of all those moments that she would never have received love mm. and, um, yeah, you, you feel grace. Like you feel this sense of like, wow, mm. like that's, you know, it's just, yeah, this intergenerational trauma is, um, yeah, it's so interesting to look back and, and really try and tune in and, and this is that emotional achievement, right? Like going back and what must life have been like for you? Mm. You know, like we, it's so natural for us to be so focused on our own pain Mm. and, and in our own sort of, you know, space and story. But what is it like when we can zoom out and go into theirs and what must life have been like for them? Mm. And, and, and this is really hard for people to do because I think when people start to, when I try to work with people in doing this, I think that people think that it's, well, I have to dismiss my pain because I have to have compassion for them. And it's Mm. actually not the case at all the more that you validate and you are with your own pain, the less you tug at other people to understand you and mm. to validate you because you've done it. Mm. And then that allows you to sort of zoom out and have compassion for them as well and to mm. actually see that, you know, there's there's so much there that to be loved and to be cherished rather than to separate and, and condemn. Mm. It's been actually like all of this that you talk about, it's, I've gone in a real...
1: Um, generational healing journey and my mum's just been witness to and kind of part of the journey from the observer point of view and obviously the energetic point of view and it's been really beautiful um just watching the unfolding of her Mm. and the softening of her because she Mm. had quite a similar like very traumatic life very very traumatic and hard life and um Yeah, it's just been really beautiful to witness her evolve through witnessing and observing me. And, you know, I've done things like um, transformational breath work and um, a rebirthing breath work Mm -hmm. where I was birthed into the world in the way that I needed to, which healed Mm -hmm. me and my mum because we both almost passed away in my birth. Mm And so even that, like... My mine, my mum's, my grandma's, so on, so on. Mm. <laughs> All our um, core wound is um, abandonment, mm, and wow. so straight away, because I was taken from mm. her to be kept oh, alive, course. yeah, that was triggered instantly. Yes. And so yeah. we've we've had so much healing just from that one session. Mm, wow. And So again, it's just looping back to yeah. understanding those core wounds. Yeah, because as soon as something has your awareness, mm. that's when you hold the power yes
2: mm. yeah yeah mm.
0: yeah like i that agree beautiful ramdas i think it's ramdas quote we're all just walking each other I home i know
2: we really are aren't it's we like, oh, that's we nice. really are i mean that's just what we're yeah. all here to do yeah yeah mm. and i think about you know like it's so when you zoom out and you see you know you're living this life and there are people that come in and out in different times and it's just so fascinating like i'm a big believer that yeah the different people come in at different moments for different mm. reasons and yeah. You know, yeah, we are all just working at walking each other home, and yeah. it's yeah, and yeah. thank God we need each other. Yes, we really do. <laughs> we
0: can't do it on our own. Oh my
2: gosh, definitely not. And yeah. yeah, I definitely not. I'm so grateful for the people that you know you can have these conversations mm. with, and you can, mm. you know, like I cannot even stand surface level chit chat. Like I can't do it. <laughs> I'm just so like oh. I'm the same now. <laughs> I'm just like, let's go deep. Like, let's just go there. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love a bit of a laugh every now and then. But, yeah, like I'm so grateful for people that are showing up and healing themselves and doing the work and going inward. And everyone's at their point when they're ready. Like I was yeah, only there absolutely. four years ago. Like, yeah. Yeah. do you know what I mean? Like it's crazy. I always thought I, I did all these self-development things, but it wasn't until, you know, I really looked at myself and I was like, mm. what's happening here? Mm. Um and healing your shame. You know, I think so many people freak out when I bring that word to them. Like, you know, I think a lot of people deeply fear that emotion and yet it's such a normal part of human experience. So mm. being able to witness that in yourself and to befriend it and to learn to speak to yourself more kindly, more gently, you know, is just the. I I think for me has just been so transformative in my journey. Mm. Definitely.
1: Mm. shame's the densest one like it's the densest vibration Mm. so it's going to be the hardest to look at and hold and transcend but Mm -hmm. as soon as you can see it and
2: experience it separate from Mm. you, i'll never forget like the first time i really because yeah I, i remember this time that i was in a car with some girlfriends and um we'd been we'd gone away for a weekend and We'd been sitting in diff- sitting sort of in the same seats the whole time, and anyway, there was like a, a gate that we you had someone had to get out and sort of press the button to get in and out, and that was me. And anyway, for whatever reason, I hopped out, jumped back in, didn't put my seatbelt on, and we're driving along. And then a friend noticed I wasn't wearing my seatbelt, and she was sort of like, "Hey, you're not wearing your seatbelt." And um, the f- friend that was driving, you know really reacted in a big way like you know she was she had a company car um she'd just gotten this new job you know she was didn't have many points on a license so she freaked out and she sort of gave me this big lecture and you know it brought up I could feel the shame hit me straight away like you know I'm bad something you know I'm embarrassed in front of all these people I've done a wrong the bad you know a bad thing and I've put everyone's everyone at risk and um I'll never forget like That was the first moment I really learned how to be with that emotion. Like normally I would have just responded. It would have just been this huge conflict. I would have just gone into fight Mm. and I actually just paused and I just was like feeling into my body and I just turned and went down the window and looked outside and I was just watching the trees and I was just focused on breathing and I was like I just remember talking to myself like, oh, wow, here's that shame. Mm. This makes so much sense that you feel this way right now. Mm. Of course, you don't want to be seen to be a bad person, and that's how you're feeling right now. And this friend is just really scared, and that's okay. Mm. But you don't need to respond, and you don't need to buy. You don't need to jump into this. It's okay. You made a mistake. Mm. You're not a bad person. You just made a mistake. Mm. I just say that to myself like six or seven times, mm. and I remember like tears were coming, and I was feeling really red in the face, and it felt like you felt like the longest period, but it was probably a couple of minutes. But I remember like I had to really learn how to regulate that emotion like around mm. people. And it was as, as if my friend that was sitting next to me knew because bless it, she reached out and grabbed my hand and sort of spoke up and was like, okay, let's just let it go, like, you know. And it was just – it was such an interesting moment because I was like, I don't know, 30, 38, 39 years old and for the first time like regulating my shame. Mm. And it was just so beautiful to witness that emotion and how it just took over my body And wanted me to fight, like wanted, because that was what I did as a child. I had to fight to stay safe. That was just my pattern. And so I was just able to witness it, stay still, not respond, not react. And it was just a different outcome. And it was just so, I tell my clients that all the time because how many times are we doing that you know in a day like how many times is our shame triggered and we're just responding without being able to sit with it and just be like wow this feels hard right now like this is so okay and i can hold this Mm. yeah big Um, work yeah it is i think like just hearing your
1: journey and having these conversations these last few days like i just think jimin i'm just so proud of you and i hope you're really proud of yourself for everything you're doing not only for you but for your community it's yeah, there's been some really big growth and it takes mm. a lot of a lot of strength and power and self love to do that. So Yeah. Thank yeah, you. Just yeah. witnessing you in this.
2: Thank you so much for that reflection. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm proud of me too. Like it's been, you know, it's like raising yourself. Like mm. it's going back and raising, you know, like being, you know being the person that you want to be um, and understanding that's like no one's here to save you. Like no one else is here to do the work. It's all in you. Yeah. yeah. But if they do need support, there are people. So how can they work
1: with you if they're feeling called?
2: Yeah. I love to support people on this journey. So I run a couple of group courses, um, Emotional Mastery. I work with women and I specifically help women overcome their emotions and their blockages in business as well as in relationship and in parenting um, because really the resistance that we feel in our life is due to an unresolved emotion from childhood, I believe. So yeah, I work, I do offer one-on-ones and I do offer group work. Um, so the best way to reach out is to reach out to me on Instagram, Nerida Bint, um, at Nerida Bint and um yeah i'd love to hear from you if this resonates thank you so much for having me on the show thanks so
1: much for being here and being just so beautiful and vulnerable
2: oh thank you thank you for creating a safe space for me to do that
1: (laughs) always all right guys we'll catch you on the next episode thanks so much for being here bye bye